from the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. I don't want to stress you out, but there's no getting around it. Lent is coming. March 2nd is Ash Wednesday. Which means you'll probably want to start thinking about how you're going to organize your prayer, fasting, and almsgiving this year. What will you give up or take up this Lent? Well, hey, don't worry. Our guest today has you covered. Gary Jansen is the author of the book Microshifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time. He's also the director for new products and acquisitions at Loyola Press. Throughout his career as a writer, editor, and publisher, Gary has devoted a lot of writing and thinking to the intersection of spirituality and human potential. In Microshifts, Gary grapples with the question, what would our lives look like if we lived 15 minutes out of each day for something beyond ourselves? What changes could we make in our lives and in the lives of those around us? The act of micro-shifting, as Gary explains, can affect really any aspect of our lives. And so, our conversation spans all sorts of things, from Taoism to ghosts, uh, from social media to Ignatian spirituality. But there are two things I really hope you take from this conversation. One, the act of micro-shifting can really change your life, and the Church gives us a great opportunity in Lent to put this into practice. Two, I hope you'll download Gary's book. It's free until the end of February, so hurry up. Think of it as your pre-Lenten homework. Just check out the link below. And now, here's Gary. Gary Jansen, welcome to AMDG. Eric, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming by. I'm excited to talk about yeah. um, your your great book, Micro Shifts, um, uh, which which I hope li listeners make a note of is is free for download now, right? Uh, via absolutely. E yep, Amazon. all of February. Yep, all of awesome. February. It's uh, you can download it for free on Amazon or BNN wherever you read ebooks. It's good. Nice, nice. So let's talk about why everyone should do that immediately. Tell us a little bit about what what is a micro shift. What do you mean by micro shifts? Yeah, so microshift is a term I use for any kind of small positive change you can make in your life. So whether it's something with your health, something uh, with your intellect, something mentally, something spiritually, they're just these tiny little changes, changes in perspective, changes in the way that you do things um, that can make your life better, right? And I started like experimenting with these things, I don't know, like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Uh, so I started doing like 15 minute incremental experiments, meaning, um, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1% of that is 15 minutes. And so what if I like took 15 minutes a day to do something that I always want to do, but I keep putting it off. So maybe it was reading Moby Dick, right? So I'll read Moby Dick for 15 minutes a day and see, you know, how long it takes me to get to the end of that book you know, two months, right? So I did that, right? It took me two months to get through it, but it was by, that's a big book, but I read it 15 minutes a day. Um, and then just kind of like improved my health by like taking a walk for 15 minutes a day and then starting to like run 15 minutes a day. And, but then also I started like experimenting with my spiritual life. So 
you know, really setting aside 15 minutes a day for some deep prayer, some deep contemplation, some deep meditation, and it transformed my life. And so, you know, for like at least like the last 10 years, I've been trying to just share that message that there really are like small incremental things that you can do every day that can have a really a positive and sometimes a radical change in your life. I feel like it's um, like 15 minutes sounds very achievable. I feel like it's it's easy for someone to hear that and say like, yeah, let me get going on that. And you get one, two, three days in um, and then you kind of falter. How yeah. what what's your like what, what, what was it about where you were in life at that point where you were able to stick to that 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 micro shift commitment? What 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 got you kind of over the, the finish line? Yeah, so I think it was really I mean, a lot of it is is will. Right. A lot of it is just saying, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit and I'm going to keep going. So, you know, for me, I was really this was an experiment for me and it was a kind of a life experiment. And at the time, uh, A.J. Jacobs was writing books and, you know, um, he wrote a book called The Know-It-All, I think, where he read the Encyclopedia Britannica from like A to Z. Right. To just see if he could become like the smartest guy in the world. And and so I kind of challenged myself to say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to do that. But are there things that I could do that I always wanted to do? So maybe it's like learning the guitar solo to Stairway to Heaven. Right. But I'm really busy. I got I got a kid, you know, and um, I'm working and I'm writing and doing these other things. But could I put 15 minutes aside to, you know, practice that guitar solo? And so it worked for me. And I think part of it was. I could get overwhelmed very easily. And I think a lot of us can get overwhelmed easily when you're trying to make a change or you, if things you want to do, you think it's going to take forever. And that, that inertia can really prevent you from doing, from doing things. But it's kind of like I was able to kick myself in the pants and just say, Hey, you know what, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to commit, but you're, you're, I'm going to commit and I'm just going to try and do this every day. And, and it takes work because there are definitely days where I missed or, you know, or I just didn't feel like doing it, but it was just kind of like really like just using my will to say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to push through this. I'm actually enjoying, you know, what I'm doing. And I feel like my world is getting bigger. Right. And I can live, I, I feel like a lot of us and myself included can, can lead like a myopic world. Right. It just can be very narrow focused, uh, you get caught up in the day. But this was a way of expanding my, my life and it worked. What do you say to folks that, um, you know, say we, we need to a lot more time or a lot more energy to fix the, the enormous problems facing the world <laughs> right. today, right? Like what, like 15 minutes, what does it even matter? How do you respond? Yeah, that I, you know, this is really, this is for you personally, right? And I think, you know, we do need seemingly we need big changes to happen in the world and and things can seem over overwhelming but i think a lot of the problems we have in the world is because we don't take care of ourselves right or we don't get ourselves in a good place and so we're acting you know we're acting where we're writing where we're 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 commenting from some uh, many times a place of brokenness or a place of ignorance sometimes and or just a place of being tired frustrated you know unfocused and so I think, you know, getting, getting things straight with yourself as much as you possibly can, you know, helps change the world in a very, very big way. And, you know, you know, a hundred years ago, we had a billion people in the world, you know, now we have six to seven to 8 billion people, which means six to seven to 8 billion problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and also six, seven, eight billion opportunities for joy. And, 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 but 
so these problems can, they're big problems and they're very, very real problems. But I think the more that we can focus on ourselves, not necessarily, when people hear that, they think it's being selfish, but if you can get yourself into a good place, I think you end up making better decisions. You end up um, having the energy to to be helpful, to to serve people around you, and to you know get the things done in life that you want to get done. I think too, as, as you're talking, you're making me think um, that mentality of like, oh, like what's 15 minutes for me going to do in the world? Uh, if you if you look at that negatively, you're really underestimating or, un- or devaluing yourself, right? Vis-a-vis absolutely the world. Um, and so, so much of this uh, of this book and kind of this 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 way of proceeding um, is about really like kind of claiming your own importance and significance and value, right? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it is really just saying, you know, one is not to take time uh, for granted, right? And any of us who have lost anybody in our lives or just, you know, it, it's it, it's it's a very very real thing. And but a lot of times we can take our time for granted, and and the one thing that I, I learned, I got really like I like I wanted to be a writer, you know, for a long time and then kind of like held off or just kind of like journaled. And that's, you know, but I really wanted to kind of get out there as a writer. And and I really didn't do that until my son arrived, right? This is years ago. And and, and I, I thought, oh my God, before he was born, I was freaking out. I think I was like, oh my God, I'm not gonna have any time for anything. And then he was born. And there was a short while there in the very beginning when there are newborns where it was really tough. But then all of a sudden I started realizing I have a lot more time on my hands. Um, and I'm active with my family. And I think it's because I became very aware of how much time I was wasting, right? Once I had an, uh, a, a newborn because the newborn it just shifted my perspective, right? And micro shifting is really about shifting your perspective a lot of times, or sometimes it happens to you uh, externally, but sometimes you can you can create that yourself. And so all of a sudden I started becoming a writing machine and I started writing in a way that I never, you know, I was writing, I was active in my community. I was active with my family. So I was getting a lot more done. And I think that happened because I didn't take time for granted anymore. And, uh, and I wasn't wasting time the way that I had been wasting time in the past. It sounds like the, you know, a micro shift mentality really helps you to go deeper into your vocation, not just you, but anybody, right. Or deeper in or, or discovery of, um, vocation. Because I feel like few, few people are just like, oh yeah, like I, I had a baby, and then I also like just like cranked up the writing and cranked up the community service and cranked up, um, so so that you know if you're keeping vocation front and center, right, is that that must help you to again really get that will to to stick with it. Absolutely, and I think the the more that we can like think, like I think it's you know as much as this book is about making small change, I think it's also about thinking bigger, right? Thinking we have a lot of potential, right? And I think most of the time most of us, well, I will just speak for myself, that I don't live up to that potential, right? I think we have a God-given potential, you know, that um, that we don't really manifest or, or use as much as we possibly can. And there's a variety of reasons for that, right? Maybe we're just bad at time management. Maybe we just have an unhealthy diet, right? Sometimes we're not getting enough sleep. And so I've become really, in, you know, interested over the years about how the body affects your spirituality. Right. And, uh, you know, because for a long time, you know, some years back, I thought I was really suffering from some major depression and the uh, and then all of a sudden. And, and, but uh, with that, I wasn't sleeping. So whether or not the depression like, you know, 
gave me insomnia or I had insomnia, which led to depression, it's kind of hard to like, you know, to um, to decide which one came first. It's a chicken or egg sort of, uh, situation. But I did find out that once I actually started sleeping, like my my personal depression seemed to alleviate. I went, wait a minute. Was for for a couple of years there, I felt like I was depressed. Was that just sleep deprivation, right? And and so wait, if I can just go to sleep an hour earlier every day, and I feel better. And so I started seeing these changes in my body as well when I started taking better care of of the temple that you know God gives us, right? And um, that each of us has. And so you know, but there are you know if people don't get enough. Anyone who has a young child, how crabby. Like a, a young child can ruin a person's day because they're overtired, right? Or they're not eating, or <laughs> you know they me, have, man. <laughs> right? You know, right? Or they have like a stomach ache, right? And so you know maybe some of the you know the decisions, some of the terrible decisions that some of our world leaders are making is because man they just need to eat a little bit more, you know, and they need to sleep a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, so. I mean it, it gives us like the uh, the grace to like assess ourselves as as fully embodied people, right? Like you know our right. mental health and our physical health and our you know our joy and our emotions. It's all it's all kind of part of the the package, right? Yeah, and I think when we think about spirituality, we think of this kind of amorphous thing, you know, called the soul, which, you know, is 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 part of it, but you know, we're a body and a soul, right? And you know, essentially one can't exist without the other. And so the uh at least on this plane of existence. And so the you know, there is a there is a there's a big relationship about like even even the way that we think, right? The way that we think can uh, can change our 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 physical body right and then our physical body can change the way that we think and all of that you know really you know comes together in the soul right and how our soul you know resonates with other people resonates with ourselves and so there is this there is this really deep connection i mean you know in some circles they call it the mind body spirit connection and it's a very very real thing and i think um that's that's become something that's that, that intrigues me a lot and also something that you know microshifts is is about it really is i mean it looks at it, it's a short book but it's a book that looks at the physical it looks at the, the mental and it looks at the and the, uh, the mental psychological but also looks at the spiritual so it is a very much a spiritual book um and it's you know how do we you know how do we how do we use time efficiently to uh you know to connect the mind body and spirit in a really really productive way yeah i um I, I mean i think yeah as i was reading through it the spiritual is is inescapable and um you know lent's coming up right we have we have a, a 40 day uh chunk of period you know period of time where where we can really you know try something new um what what would you say about like micro shifting as a, a lenten practice uh if, if people wanted to think of something you know a new way of approaching lent this this year um what would you say about micro shifting yeah, it's great. The um, you know, one of the reasons why I kind of worked with Loyola Press in order to have Microshifts, at least the ebook, right, available for free in February, was really kind of as a pre-Lent, you know, um, kind of like startup or or pre-Lent, you know, getting ready for Lent, because I think, you know, we have 40 days, you know, to kind of re reflect, and and that can get away if you're a busy person. It can, you can get, you know, you can really, it can get away with you, right? And all of a sudden, you know 
Holy Week shows up and you maybe, you know, maybe you've been to mass, but you've kind of like missed out on this great opportunity and, you, and you're, you're not eating meat on Fridays, which is great. Um, but you miss out on all the, you, you miss out on all these other opportunities. So can you commit, you know, for 40 days, I'm just going to take 15 minutes, right? And, and maybe you do this and then maybe you can, you know, or take 15 minutes, you know, really to sit with scripture or to meditate or to focus on the word of God. And, you know, one of my, a, a micro shift that's been really, really important to me and is so beneficial is really just to tap my heart, tap my chest three times and say, Jesus, 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 over and over again. And, and it, there's a change of state that happens when I become focused on the word. Right. And because a lot of times I'll get caught up in my own thoughts, caught up in what I'm doing, but I want to be able to remember Jesus. And so that little like small physical act and the repeating of the words, which isn't, you know, so it's a small physical act and it's a small kind of mental act as well. Repeating a name has done wonders for my soul. And, you know, so it's, you know, find something that works for you, whether it's reading the Bible or it's, you know, mental prayer and really like set your alarm on your phone or your smartwatch and stuff or, you know, and then, you know, stick to it. And it does take work and it takes dedication, but, you know, we have divine holy hours at three o'clock every day, you know, set your alarm for 15 minutes or set your alarm at three o'clock so that you can take a few minutes to decompress, you know, to pray a little, to read some scripture um, yeah, it just, it'll, you'll have a tremendous and so you'll have such a beautiful Lent if you do so. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a good, uh, a good takeaway for, uh, for folks that are listening. I, um, I want to talk about one of the chapters that really struck me was your chapter on observing the observer, um, because your description, um, was essentially how my, my mind works. You know, you just got a million thoughts going back and forth and, and how do you, uh, how do you handle that? And so I, I liked this micro shift because, um, it felt like both a little out of body and also like deeper into your body. So I wonder if you could describe that a little bit, um, because I think, again, it's something that people could probably immediately start doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually one of my favorite chapters in the book. So in Observe the Observer, it's it's simple and it's re and it can be a little difficult as well. So it's really just observing your words, your actions. And most of the time we go throughout the day without observing what we're doing <clears throat> and so or even observing how other people are speaking or what they're doing so we may be listening but we're not really observing right and so there's a practice where you know and a lot of like different cultures like think that this is how you this is how you get in contact with your soul and which is and what it is is that if someone's speaking to you observe you know listen to that person but then try to take a step back inside yourself and observe who's listening, right? And just ask you that question, who's listening? And, and, and try to just stay with that question. And at the same time, listen to that person, but observe who's listening. Or if you're eating something and you're chewing, you know, pay attention to that action but then take a step back and ask yourself, observe who's, who's chewing. So it's, you're kind of like, you're having kind of an awake out of body experience so that you can become more present to what's going on to you physically. And a lot of traditions in the Vedic traditions would say, that's your soul. The observer is your soul, right? And that's how we get in contact. And I think like I'm Catholic and 
but you know when we talk about the soul it can be very amorphous like what is it you know and and in some other traditions they'll say that that's how you that's how you pay attention that's how you realize that you have a soul because you have an observer inside you that's not just listening but is observing you listening so a little complex but it's one of those things that if you just like take 5 minutes to do is transformative man it will, <laughs> and if you do it it can blow your mind you know yeah no I, I mean, I tried, I, I finished reading your book and I, in that chapter and I was like, all right, like, I think it was laying in bed and I was like, oh, I got so many thoughts, go, so many thoughts going. And then I was like, wait, who's, who's thinking these thoughts. And then that like little bit of distance, um, gave me a little bit, like a little bit of peace. And I was like, all right, this is a, this is a new trick. I'm going to, I'm going to try more off. Might come in to get yeah. back to sleep faster. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, and it, when it becomes, it just, it, it creates, and again, this is a, a micro shift, right? It's, you know. Okay, we listen, but let's observe the listener. And and you know, and I become just gets way too esoteric, but you know, now I'm questioning, you know, all those voices and all those things that are going inside your head. Are they really inside your head, right? Or or are you just picking them up, right, from outside? And you know, I'm not, I don't know what I think about that or if that's even true or even a possibility, but this idea of like because we can have our ego, right, or what we call the ego, um, or the voices inside your head say some really nasty pejorative things, right? Um, but where's that coming from? That's not you. God made you. You're good, right? And 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 things happen in our lives, and you could say our our minds are like are like recorders that have recorded things, and we just kind of repeat them back. But but maybe not. Maybe this is something else going on outside of us, you know? And we pick up on this kind of negative negativity or or all this chatter. But it's not us, right? And that's the other thing about observe the observer is that you're not your thoughts, right? You're not even your body, right? There's more to you than that. And uh, by observing your thoughts, observing your body, that becomes that becomes something that that's not just theoretical, but but can be physically, mentally, and spiritually true. Yeah, it's just like a you know, your whole amalgamation of, of so many things and yet beyond all those things. And I get, it's not unlike how we talk about God in some ways, right? Like God is, is, is everything. And yet so much further beyond anything that we can imagine. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, another chapter I really liked, um, I, I, this idea of no opinion, I thought was another really helpful way of, of, um, of diving into things. And uh, it, it, it spoke to me of kind of two spiritual practices. Um, one I'm very familiar with, Ignatian indifference. Um, and then one that I've kind of just, you know, studied in pass, passing, um, which is uh, in the Taoist tradition, I think it's, I think it's Wu Wei or, or effortless action. This kind of a, a sense of you're kind of tapping into and just going with the flow of the universe. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, did, did Ignatian indifference influence your uh, approach to this or some other spiritual um tradition for for this this no no opinion approach yeah i you know i was i was never formally trained in the ignatian tradition but about 20 years ago a little maybe a little bit more than that a friend of mine gave got me a gift certificate to go to an ignatian retreat a weekend retreat at saint ignatius retreat house in new york and um that's where i was introduced to ignatius and ignatian spirituality and and just fell in love and so i'm just i've read you know and 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 I just read so much on the Ignatian tradition. And so you're right. So there is this kind of like, you know, a notion of indifference and, you know, in the in Eastern philosophy, we talk about detachment. And so you're detached, um, kind of like, you're kind of like in, 
and they say this in the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, there's a line that says, you know, throw yourself into the din of battle and don't worry about the outcome. And I think that's that's something that's really, really important because I think we get attached to, you know, what the outcome is going to be. And so we divert energy, mental energy, physical energy, um, from what we want to do or what we should be doing because we're so focused on what the result is going to be. And we're Americans. And so, you know, there's a lot, it's result, you know, I mean, you work for a company, you know, you can be philosophical and Zen, but if you're not meeting that bottom line, you're out. Right. (laughs) And so you have to try and kind of balance, balance that out in, in real life. But the, but having no opinion, you know, is just taking a step back and not, and again, almost, again, it's being this observer and just saying, hey, you know what, I'm just not going to react to that. You know, I don't have to have an opinion about everything. Because I think part of the anxiety of the 21st century is, and this comes from social media is a great benefit, but it can also cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, kind of mental issues, is we're reacting all the time. You know, we can hit like the love button or whatever, or the like button or whatever it is, or you know, depending if you're you're a Twitter fanatic, you know, you're going to be commenting left and right. And so, and I think that makes people really, really nervous. You know, they did some, a uh, study on like gestalt therapy and gestalt therapy is when you scream or smash things and you try to get out like all this like anger and aggression or things that are bothering you. And then they realized that people were actually more anxious, you know, after doing that um, in the long run, even though they got some kind of temporary relief. And so I think, you know, having no opinion I'm not saying you shouldn't have an, you should have no opinions whatsoever, but practicing no opinion from time to time is a is a shift in the way that in, that we can go about our day to day and not get so entrenched in kind of the minutia or some of the slippery slopes that exist out there in terms of like politics or religion or family relationships. Just chill. <laughs> Don't have opinion <laughs> and just take a step back and walk away. You know. Yeah. Someone's, yeah. So, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, someone said to me, you know, if, if you're in a room and you're talking to someone and they're not listening to you, just walk away. You know, there's, you know, there's no reason to even get upset. They're just, they're not obviously paying attention. Just, just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> just simply yeah. do that. You know? And I'm like, all right, I got to think about that one, but maybe that's not <laughs> such a bad, a bad piece of advice. Probably depends who the person is, right? If it's your boss or, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, don't do that, don't right. do that you to you. You just keep boss. on walking out to the car. Yeah, um, or, or, your, or your wife or significant other. Don't yeah, right. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's funny because I, I, I love everything you're saying, um, but I also could hear somebody coming back at you and saying, well, there are some really important, you know, moral issues, issues of great, um, you know, you know, weightiness. Uh, that you know you you do have to stake an opinion on. Like on the one hand, you don't want to put your flag in the sand, um, and then you you find yourself kind of stuck in a spot where you don't want to be. On the other hand, uh, there are times when we have to take a stand, as it were. How do you kind of reconcile those two um, those two kind of competing kind of competing pools? Yeah, sure. So I think um, so. Again, having no opinion doesn't mean you never have you never have any opinions. But I think it is. I think what it's using like the process of discernment or just kind of like right thinking. Like, do I have to engage in everything? Do I have to have an opinion about everything? Because there are moral things that we need to take a stand on and, and that we should have opinions on. Um, and I think a lot of times we have opinions, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're doing anything about it, right? It's just, we're mm-hmm. kind of like letting off steam. So, you know, I would challenge people back. Like if you have an opinion, 
you know, especially on these big, you know, these big issues, which we should have. Um, what are we doing about it? You know, and how are you living your life? You know, to be to not add to the problem, right? But to uh, but to be helping the problem. So, yeah. So again, it's not it's not something you do all the time. It was that it's but it's a reaction to so much of us. So many of us are you know tuned into social media or even like listening to the news every night, and you know it can be exhausting. So you know, try the, try shifting and not having so many opinions. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah, right. No. You know, it's all right to have opinions, just kind of like maybe dial it back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think as I, as I think about this and even kind of, you know, layer that Ignatian and difference idea and, um, you know, it comes down to, in some ways, like, are, are we still available to, to be surprised by other people or, or, or available to be, um, if not convinced, you know, cause again, there are certain, certain things that, you know, there's a right and a wrong, but, um, are, are we making space for the other person? Because I think, you know, uh, I, I think of God as a God of surprises often. And, and yeah, that's beautiful. Are, are we available for, to be surprised? Um, and that's kind of how how I read that chapter was like having no opinion means we're, we're always available to be surprised by by God at work and other people and the world. I love that. And I, I think you're right on. And I think a lot of times like opinion, like <clears throat> It's hard for people to have conversations if your mind is constantly running, right? And I think, you know, if there's an underlying message in in this in this book, it's do the best you can to try and ease your mind a little bit, right? Because our minds are constantly working, and I think in the 21st century they're working overtime in a way that maybe is never that no other time in history has ever happened. I mean, think about it: if you lived in a small town 150 years ago you know, you had the opinions of your family and maybe 50 other people, 100 other people. Now there's billions of opinions that come flying all over the place and it can get really, really confusing. So much so that I think that you get numb, right? And so, so, and I think that can prevent us a lot of times that all that chatter can prevent us from hearing those, from one, hearing the voice of God, um, hearing the voice of creation, which is, you know, comes from God and and being appreciative of it you know and so um but i love what you just said because i think i think when you when you have a crowded room your mind uh you just feel better when you declutter right mm. and and i think a lot of people like physically they can declutter you know marie kondo wrote her book on you know basically <laughs> throw everything out of your house so that it's you know an open space but there's something to that you know, like when you have a messy desk, it can be not for everybody. I know some people really love the messy desk, but for a lot of people, that chaos like just creates more chaos and and distraction. But if we can kind of clear out the clutter a little bit and not every opinion is worth like, you know, fighting over. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Somewhere in this sure. book, you wrote you enjoy talking about ghosts. And so yeah. um, I wanted to uh, wanted to give you a chance to talk about ghosts, because uh, I think your first your first book or one of your first books, you wrote uh, a memoir about ghosts. Is that right? I did. Yeah. So one of my first books is a book called Holy Ghosts. That's plural ghosts. I have a problem saying that plural of ghosts. I used to have to say ghostesses. And uh, the, <laughs> um, but it was about it was about a when it was about the supernatural, right? And about ghosts, angels, demons. And in my en encounter in a haunted house, the house I was living in uh, between 2007, 2008. And there was a very like, 
it's it seemed to start on a particular day and it seemed to end on a particular day and then afterwards nothing you know and when no, i shouldn't say nothing but not much and so the um so i kind of i grew up you know with a mom who believed in ghosts and, and spirits and angels and all of that stuff and like it would say that she communicated with them right that she would have conversations with angels uh and my dad who was a complete rationalist and didn't believe any of it was like as oh, is all bs i love your mother but you know your mom's a little whatever and uh and so i probably sided more on my dad's side uh, but we did have weird things happening when i was growing up like like just weird things that happened in our house and you know strange noises like like footsteps that weren't there i remember my sister like said she was in the attic one day we were playing in the attic and someone slapped her in the face like just there was something she got slapped in the face and i was on the other side of the room and it wasn't me and uh and Sure. But you kind of write that. Yeah, yeah sure. Don't, but don't that, say went, anything. that went over real well, and your parents came upstairs. Were like, what happened yeah, up there? Right. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Boom. And uh, so weird things did happen. So in uh, the in the 2000s, my wife and I actually bought the house for my mom that I grew up in. And uh, but in 2007, 2008, crazy things started happening. And so I wrote about uh, I wrote about those experiences and and how it opened my eyes to the supernatural world. Right and 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 also and but it has a, a it's a deeply spiritual book because it's really about you know ignatius or ignatian spirituality says we should look for god in all things and 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 i do think that there's a there is this amazing it's part of our faith there's this there's a spiritual world out there that exists but all this mind chatter right all the time can make us really it, we don't experience it and most and many people don't um but in that time frame, 2007, 2008, I was doing some intense like meditation, intense prayer every day. And, and I think during that period, I had gotten to a point of stillness that I was able to notice things that probably go on all the time, but that most of us don't see, you know? And I think I was shaken out of like that stillness, you know, after the fact and have not like experienced stuff to that degree that I did for that one year. How does that, um, like part of your own like journey, fit into your larger spiritual story, spirituality, and how you approach faith today? Yeah, it's great. Again, coming back to this, you know, the Ignatian idea of like find or seeking God in in all things, you know, become I think really, I, I think for me, I become conscious and attuned not necessarily attuned, but very conscious that there's a world beyond like the physical world. And, and I think we can get caught up just in the day to day that um, and we, and we don't pay attention to that. And maybe we don't necessarily need to pay attention to that. We could just, you know, be here where we are right now, be here now, you get the job done that we need to get done. But there was something for me personally that made that, that experience made my spirituality more fruitful because it, made me realize coming back to what we talked about at the very beginning that there's a lot more we have a lot more potential than we might access right and that there's a lot more that we could experience that we don't experience and that i think is is because of 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 how we respond to stress you know uh worry jesus says you know don't worry you know be like the flowers you know be like the lilies of the field and and if you do like you'll experience the kingdom of god and so i think 
you know, so many of us can be tied up in worry or anxiety that we're just, we're missing, you know, the great heaven that is around us all the time. And, um, and the really complex and beautiful and mysterious world that exists. Um, and we get based in this kind of like materialistic, you know, uh, experience. So that was really transformative for me. And I'm very, very open now about the possibility of <clears throat> angels. Obviously, it's a, um, part of our faith and something that we should believe. Um, but for me, it's really, really, um, yeah, it's it's a big reality. And the idea of like spirits and, and that these things do exist. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, last, uh, last question, you know, you've had a, a long career, your ongoing career in, in publishing and as an editor and as a writer. How do you and you so that means you're you're working with a lot of writers and a lot of creative people. How do you um, use the idea of micro shifting as you're as you're helping other people kind of express themselves creatively? And and what uh, uh, recommendations or advice would you have for folks that are listening and trying to tap into some creative side of themselves um, to, to to use this micro shifting idea? Yeah. So I think <clears throat> January twentieth, two thousand and five, I made the decision I was going to like write every day. Just for like, um, back then it was a half hour. I, I then stripped it down to like 15 minutes to do that 15 minute experiment. <clears throat> but it was going to be a half hour a day. And and I wasn't going to worry about what I wrote. I was just going to write. And uh, that really, that year, and I did it. I did it religiously. And I was able to just kind of like, just do it. And just And I think because I gave myself the opportunity or the excuse to say, none of this matters. This is really just an exercise. So I don't have to like get freaked out. Oh my God, this is going to get published or, or what? This is just an exercise. And, um, but to do that is to be consistent, right? I think if you want to be a writer, you want to be an artist, you want to be a musician, you got to be consistent. And so, you know, to etch out, you know, you may have a day job, you may have a family, but you could probably find 15 minutes or a half hour, you know, to try to work on your craft. And maybe that means getting up at 530 in the morning um to do it and if you really really want to do it you'll do it and the uh, i think you know one of my favorite exercises to like give like people who want to write new writers <clears throat> is to take like a book that you love maybe it's uh, the grapes of wrath right or um, gone with the wind or whatever it is and just type that book right you don't have to type the entire book but Type that first page, that second page, that third page, just put it, open it up, go to your computer and then type it up and then pay attention to the way, you know, what articles the, the author is using, what kind of like nouns the author is using, what kind of verbs, right? How the sentence looks, you know, what the size of the paragraph is, pay attention to that stuff. And that is an exercise that really makes you aware of what the writing process is like. And you kind of embody what the other writer, you know, what the writer was doing. And, and you become very, very conscious about like active versus passive, you know, um, voices. Uh, you'll pick up on descriptions, you'll pick up on rhythms. And it's been, you know, I've given that exercise to a lot of people. And I said, hey, you want to, I want to write about spirituality. Find your, you know, your favorite spirituality book. Find a Henry Nouwen book or a Thomas Merton book, you know, or something by, um, you know, whoever. And then just type it, type a few pages, you know, to get a feel for like what they're doing. Because the, uh, you can tap into that energy. I really think you can. That's awesome. All right. So pull yeah. off, go, go to my bookshelf and start, uh, start typing away. Where's my Lord of the Rings copy? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, remind us again, where can folks download your book? Absolutely. So again, free, uh, micro shifts is free, um, as an ebook. 
um, for the all of February, and you can go to uh, BarnesandNoble.com, on Amazon.com, Apple, uh, wherever eBooks are sold, it's out there free. So check it out. Awesome, Gary. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us today, and uh, Eric, come thanks back. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank yeah. you, brother. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C., and occasionally in my basement. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocations promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.